I'm Kim Grinolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, and Luke Munger. We're Washington defeated Utah 33 to 30 in front of an announced attendance of 65,767. <laughs> Don't laugh. It's too early to start laughing already. Yeah, yeah, no. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, temperature. Come on. Join te- the program. Temperature at kickoff. Temperature at kickoff, 48 degrees, and uh, just let me tell you something, 48 degrees down on the field, it's probably about 10 to 12 degrees cooler because that moisture in the air right next to the lake just kind of cuts through you. But uh, nice win by Washington. Uh, Jake Browning's first ever come-from-behind victory. Tristan Vizcano, you know, with a couple of missed kicks, comes back to win the game for Washington. So uh, nice win for Washington. A lot of storylines. Lots and lots of storylines. We can go for a long time. And forgive me if I start hacking and wheezing. I've had a really bad cold all week. It's the first time I've been out of the house all week. So these guys are just kind of looking at me like, what? Yeah, because now we're all going to get sick. No, you'll get it sooner or later. Appreciate that, by the way. Um, in advance, I'm thanking you in advance. Yeah, so just uh, started off, uh, you know, weird things happen with Utah, you know, with the Dante Pettis punt return. Uh, when was it last year? And then this year it started off getting a little weird with the JoJo McIntosh um, ejection. And I posted a picture on Twitter. If you get a chance, go take a look at that. It looks like he put the helmet on the ball, which I thought was what right you were taught to do. Sorry, guys, it was right in the middle of the chest. Come on, come on. It was. Step it was up. right in the middle of chest. No, we want you to speak up. Okay. Yeah. It was there right in the middle of chest. There's no debate. If you go by the rule, he led with the crown of his helmet, put it right in the chest of the guy. It is targeting. There's no more arguments. So, so the, only thing, the only thing that we can prove from this is that Scott hasn't seen your picture. Oh, yeah. no, I saw the picture. The ball also, was on the, the helmet was on the ball, I also saw, Scott. I also saw the picture that was from USA Today, and it isn't on the ball. It's right in the middle of the guy's chest. I, Kim's picture, guys, Kim's picture doesn't lie. You guys are wrong. Anybody who doesn't think that was targeting is wrong. I, I, I cannot be more adamant. I hate the rule. I'm defending a rule that I absolutely hate. But it, they went by the letter of the law. Period. I, and I don't see it because I see the helmet on the ball. That's what well, it looks like to me. You can't well, lead with your helmet. What you're losing. Even when you're trying to hit the ball. That's yes, text, that's correct. text that's you textbook. Face up. That's Period. textbook. Well you you lose Jojo McIntosh. Taylor Rapp was uh, getting beat up quite a bit. He left for a little bit uh, in the second half. He was beat up quite a bit. Brandon McKinney had to come in. You're losing um, you know, Austin Joyner, but Byron Murphy was back in today. But boy, Byron looked a little bit rusty there in the first quarter. He looked rusty all game. I, I thought his coverage tightened up a little bit, but he definitely was not having one of his better games. Well, the ball skills, I don't know what the last couple of games have been like, but really in the one-on-one one-on-one matchups out wide, mm-hmm. um, they've lost the ball in the air. It's and, just, I don't know why. And if, I, oh, go ahead. Okay, I was going to say, I don't know if it's worth mentioning, but the last two games uh, that the Huskies have played against, against Stanford and Utah, both of which have enormous receiver units. Stanford, I mean, I don't know if that, that has anything to do with it. A lot of it obviously has to do with, even if, regardless of the size, if you're in good position, a lot of times you can make a play. But, I mean, they're going up against 6'3", 6'2", receivers, well, if that's worth against, mentioning. Well, the one that, that Miles Bryant lost, the guy was 5'10". That, well, that, right, that, I mean, there's just some it. of those where they he, just lost the he's ball. He's right on the coverage. He basically was, what was the guy the in the uh, um, Holiday Bowl with Texas? Chris... What Chris Massey. Massey. It was Chris Massey time all over again. I mean, it, it, he just 
He's right there on the coverage, and he doesn't look back and find the ball. Defense really struggled again today. You know, they gave up 410 yards to you know a Utah team that's not exactly an offensive juggernaut. But the thing that was really stunning out was you know last week they really struggled with uh, third down holding opponents on third down. Today they held Stanford to five of 15. Utah, but it's, Utah, excuse me. But it just seemed that those five conversions on third down were just killers. Well, and then they also three, three of three on fourth down. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and then they had the uh, fake punt where it didn't look like a fake punt. It just looked like the guy just took off running, and uh, they got a first down on that, which was a real killer too. Well, they didn't. They didn't. They could have pinched that <laughs> that run a little bit more. They just kind of kept the lanes going, and he just snuck right Ran through right one of the through, lanes, yeah. and that's that. And you know, un- unfortunately for them, they kind of ended up starting right where they ended because. They had the, the, the spiking of the ball by Wisnowski, which took him back 15 yards mm-hmm. when he basically had about a 15-yard run. So that hurt him. Yeah. But, yeah, there were a couple of questionable decisions, not just by the players from, from Utah, but, you know, we can also talk about at the end of the game, you know, calling the timeout we get. Uh, on that last drive that was pretty pivotal too. Yeah, before we get towards the end of the game, we'll go back to the beginning of the game. And on Washington's first touchdown, Tristan Vizcano misses an extra point. Well, it was a really bad snap. And it looked the like Royce Porter, okay. Royce, Royce, Royce yeah. Porter tried to do yeah. what he could with it. But, yeah, that was a battery situation where the battery just failed on that one. And, that, you know, you compound that with missed field goals, and now all of a sudden it just the, – the, the, the atmosphere around here starts to get pretty toxic. Yeah, you know, and one thing i, I got to give Chris Peterson credit for is, you know, when you miss an extra point, it just seems like so many coaches try to chase that point, and it winds up – biting them in, in the ass down the road. But uh, he didn't do that, and he didn't try to chase that mixed extra point. You know, So the game was tied for quite a long time, which you know, if they would have made that extra point, it would have been a lead. But uh, he didn't chase that extra point, which I thought was real important. Well, yeah, I mean, clearly it was way, way too early. And by the time it's, you know, it's 16-13 at the half, and there's no reason to chase it at that point. So, yeah, I mean, there's. I don't think it ever got to the point where that was even an issue, in my opinion. It was fun, you know, and just, God, I'm going to be all over the place. But, um, you know, the lack of energy that we've seen, it was still there. But, you know, Chris Peterson mentioned um, in the uh, post game about the team playing tight and not having to do everything perfect. But, boy, after the win, they, it just seemed like they just all cut it loose. And I haven't seen that much emotion out of the team in a long time. So, uh, again, I thought that they were playing tight at times today. They came out in the first quarter, you know, in that first drive and just ran it down their throats. But it was just pretty much workmanlike, and, you know, it was good to see some emotion back, you know, post-game. I don't have much to add. I, I, I kind of disagree with you on the lack of emotion. I, I, I saw some emotion out there. I saw Hunley making some, play, Hunley making some plays. And I saw, I saw those receivers getting open and the, and the DBs not playing well. And, and I, I mean, Washington got after Huntley. They got a lot of hits on him. They, they ended up with three sacks, but they got more hits than sacks, way I'm, more hits. I'm just really surprised in the fourth quarter because there was as many hits as he was taking. I thought he was going to be beat to a pulp by the fourth quarter. But that guy hung in there, and on their last possession, oh, yeah. he was still carrying the ball. And you're like, well, just he's like their he best the threat. Yeah. He's their best threat. Right. Well, and it's also clear that, that Troy Taylor, the OC, would rather have the ball in his hands running it than maybe stepping back and trying to throw an ill-advised pass because he did get the one picked off by Taylor Rapp. Yeah, I, I just think I don't know. I'm always curious. It, it, I was I don't know. I didn't really get a chance to any to ask anyone on defense, but I was impressed with the way that the defense was able to come up with not only one stop, kind of in the last three four minutes of the game, but a second one 
on top of that after Washington scored with about 60 seconds left. I just considering the frustration that you must have been feeling all game. I remember there was one specific play where Ryan Bowman almost brought uh, Huntley down to the backfield, and then Huntley ended up like scrambling for instead of a loss of eight, like a gain of six. And it's like those things happening all game long. They're able to buckle down after giving up 30 points uh, for a second week in a row and get off the field twice. I thought that that was very. If nothing else, it spoke to I guess the the perseverance of the defense. To well, it's also more like what they've been over the course of the year. I mean, they've, they've been a team that has, you know, done third quarter. They've done third downs pretty well for the most part. You know, clearly at one point they had the number one defense in the country, so we, we know they have the ability to get off the field when they or can. They but did They did, the but, the, yeah, the third downs have been really difficult, and they have had to battle through some injuries and, you and know, I, losing it. And I don't – I'm sorry, Chris, but I don't take anyone else out of this because other teams are dealing with, with injuries too. So Washington's got to overcome that. But for us to expect Washington's defense to be as consistently good as they were at the beginning of the season, now that they've lost some key players, especially their lockdown, one of their number one corner is gone. A guy who played the game a lot like Kevin King and Sidney Jones did outside. Now you don't have that. And you have a guy like Miles Bryant who is 5'9", and he's limited, okay? The guy's very good in the role that he was brought in to, to play, which is nickel, but he is not an outside corner. And Austin Joyner, I'm sorry, he's not a natural cornerback, period. So, I, you know, this team is going to struggle outside until they can find some consistency at that cornerback spot, and I don't think you're going to find it the rest of this year. Yeah, and... I mentioned earlier to one of the guys that remember the game down in Arizona, the quarterback that just gave Washington fits down there. Dawkins. Yeah, Dawkins. Yeah, was this guy eerily similar, and the game seemed eerily similar? Yeah. He's a better passer he than Dawkins. Yeah, he's a better passer than Dawkins, but he wasn't. I don't think he was as much of a breakaway threat. Mm-hmm. As Dawkins was, because Dawkins in that game had a 75-yard touchdown. The second that guy and gets a, a crease, he's gone, whereas Huntley isn't that guy. He'll he'll make plays with his legs, but he's maybe going 10 yards instead of 75. Yeah, yeah. But I think if you look, you know, obviously you're going to want to check out the tape tomorrow and see what exactly were the bus outside and whatnot. But there were some plays where he literally just kind of threw the ball up and allowed his receivers to make a play. And I know that's been kind of what's been maddening to some Washington fans that Jake Browning has tried to do a little bit of the same thing when you have maybe a Braden Lennis out there or a Ty Jones out there and maybe try to allow them to utilize their size to create some mismatches too. Well, he did that. You know, he did throw one up for grabs and Taylor Rapp intercepted it. But Hundley, uh, that is. Not yeah. yeah, and then, uh, you know, um, Hundley again. I mean, there was two or three where he had the helmet in the chest, targeting wasn't called, where he just threw it up, and guys were able to come down with it, you know, where he was throwing it over the top of the smaller corners. But ultimately, you know, they had seven turnovers against Washington State, and I think he was directly responsible for, what, four of four them? Four of them, yeah. And so, you know, they almost got that fumble at the end that would have made the, 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 the field goal a lot easier. Miles um, Bryant, you know, mm-hmm. forced it, and they almost got that one. So you, you just thought it was maybe a matter of time before, you know, he was going to cough up the ball or make a mistake or something. But give him credit. For the most part, he, he made really good decisions. He was the only reason they were in that game. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the things Coach Peterson mentioned it in his press conference was obviously, although it ended up coming down to a field goal, which I thought was kind of interesting for the way that it had gone, is that Utah – on special teams was able to create, by my count, well, create 13 points, obviously, uh, and then there was also the additional missed PAT, 
where there's kind of that 14-point swing. When there's, first of all, the fake punt that ended up giving them a um, – no. Well, I'm totally blanking. They didn't blanking. get a field goal out of that, did they? Well, I don't no, know. Uh, the got, fake they... punt they got a touchdown out of. They got an onside kick, which they ended up scoring a field goal off of. There's Tristan's missed PAT, and then I thought there was one more, but it might be crazy. Yeah. But, uh, oh, yeah, there was a missed field goal. Yeah, but was special, not, teams, so... special teams was definitely oh, something that was one that in kept their Utah, favor. Yeah, yeah. they kept them in the game as well. Yeah, and Peterson yeah. really talked about how you know he knows that they are – he thinks they're very aggressive in their special teams, and he showed tonight. When you say you may be crazy, you are crazy, by the way, Luke. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Utah's known for being a defensive team and, you know, struggling with their offense with Troy Taylor coming in here, Jake Browning's uh, high school coach. Um, boy, they – I mean – I didn't. What is it? Is it is are they is Utah that good, or is is this just kind of a matchup? This last few years, Utah and Washington, where weird stuff happens, and it's just a bad matchup. No, Utah's just fundamentally sound. They they aren't going to wow you with their speed or anything like that because they don't have a ton of speed. But they're physical outside with the wide receivers. I mean, if you watch, there was one where Jake had Dante on a slant. And Dante just got jammed like nobody's business out there. And he, he didn't have that read, and so he had to end up either throwing the ball away or I think he ran for like a two-yard gain or something like that. Um, but the, And then up front, they are absolutely stout. One of the stoutest teams you're going to play. They've got guys, we, we listed it on the radio show today, like four 300-pounders that they can throw in there on a regular rotation. Washington has two. Guys like that. And then you got a couple 290-pounders. So, you know, Washington is pretty stout up front, and they've been that way all season. But then they have active linebackers, and they have really big defensive linemen that they throw at you, and it, they're tough. They're, they're real tough to run against. Just looking down the stat sheet real quick, Washington with 123 net yards, uh, Utah with 117. Rushing. Uh, rushing, yeah. And the uh, passing yards, Washington with 354. Uh, kind of a big number for Utah with 293 yards passing. Uh, total offensive yards, Utah with 410. And Washington with 477. Um Always looking at third down conversions, uh, Utah five of fifteen. But like I said, you know all the five of those seem to be real backbreakers. Well, uh, well, I'm sorry, real quick. The other thing is that you could really throw the uh, three fourth downs right. as third down conversions. So it was really eight of fifteen because they converted those. Yeah, Washington was six of twelve on third down, but Washington was three of three on fourth downs. So uh, especially one late, Utah. late, late. Utah, Utah was three of three on fourth downs. Yeah, um, and then. Um, Miles um, Gaskin, six uh, six receptions for 114 yards with that big. And we'll talk about this. Uh, he had 114 yards receiving with a hundred, excuse me, 76 yard reception that I still have no idea how he caught that. Uh, he had 17 carries for 52 yards. Not a lot of room to run for Miles today. Uh, Levon Coleman, six carries for 28 yards, and uh, Jake Browning, 26 of 35 for 354, two touchdowns. So. Um, just real quick, the leading tackler was Ben Burkirvin with eight, Miles Bryant with seven, Keyshawn Bieria, Vita Vea, Tevis Bartlett, Taylor Rapp, all with six. That pass to Miles um, Gaskin when they were down by seven. I don't know how he caught that. I don't know how he caught well, that. Don't they, isn't the old saying, it's better to be lucky than good? Well, but, and, it, and, <laughs> but the whole time, yeah. we, we've been talking this yeah. whole podcast about letting throwing the ball up and letting your playmakers make plays and it's something that the last couple games for some reason Jake has been reticent to, to he's hold, held on to the ball and not allowed that to happen now 
when we saw it upon inspection, it sure looked like that ball got tipped a little Barely, bit. Barely, yeah. Which yeah. Game really... Of inches, game of inches. Yeah, yeah. It, it just makes the catch by Miles even that more impressive. Well, three of Jake Browning's passes uh, toward the end of the game, you know, the touchdown pass to Miles, you had the uh, pass to Disley for 28 yards, and then you had the throw to Bocelli to set up the touchdown, the 31-yarder. Or, I'm sorry, the field goal for the 31-yarder. He... Um, all of those went right over the hands of a defender. He dropped them in perfectly. It was the best, some of the best throws I've seen Jake Browning throw since he's been here in three, almost three full years. It's the best I've seen him, best passes I've seen him throw. Let's hope that he's starting to get a little bit more confidence because you are going to have, Washington's defense isn't great. But it's very good, and it's schooled, and they like to get after get getting some interceptions. He's going to have to challenge them down the field. He doesn't have John Ross to throw the ball up to anymore. He's got to have the faith that his guys are going to go up and get it, like you said, Chris. Washington <clears throat> ties the game late in the fourth quarter, and uh, they stop Utah and get the ball back. Well, how much time was left? When? The last possession. The last possession, Twenty. I thought it was 28, but 29 seconds, whatever 29 it is. seconds. The first play was a run to Miles Gaskin. They're going to just run out the clock. Well, you know, and that's what I thought, but, um, you know, Pete and Miles said, you know, hey, we're just seeing if we can rip off a long run because they were playing pass coverage. Exactly. They wanted to see if they – but if they didn't, they were just going to let the clock – Run out. And then Utah calls a timeout. And how much time was left when Utah calls that timeout? 25, 24, 24 seconds? Something like that. Like that. Yeah, the, the first play did not last too long. No, he like just five went seconds. To the left. That was it. Okay, and I don't know the answer to this. What happened on the next play? Next play, they hit Dante Pettis for 18 yards. Okay. And then the play after that, 31 yards to Andre Bocelli. Next play after that, uh, Browning throws it in the. How is that not called a pass interference? By the way, well, basically, basically, Chris Peterson's answer in the press conference was, "It's what everyone saw." Yeah, yeah. and so he didn't. He goes, "We won the game. Yeah, I'm not going to exactly, make a big deal yeah. of it." But, but them, them calling it uncatchable. The reason it's uncatchable is because the guy the is holding him. <laughs> yeah. well, well, that's the thing. It wasn't pi. It should have been called holding. Yeah. The, the funny thing was, you know, on that with the referees. They didn't need to say anything. The coaching staff didn't. Jen Cohen yeah, was saying. Exactly. Jen Cohen was saying it all for him on yeah. the sidelines. Jen, Jen was, was. She was pretty fired yeah, up she, on that call. Had, By the way, have yeah. you ever seen an athletic director on the sideline get as passionate and fired up as Jen Cohen? Oh, I'm sure. Uh, what What was the guy's name that Steve Sarkeesian called down from the press Pat box Hayden. to get after the referees for being mean to him? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Pat Hayden. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, just, you know, great comeback by Tristan Vizcano. Oh. Um, you know, the thing about Tristan, Tristan's not just a kicker. He's a really, really good athlete. And, you know, uh, he's put his head in there a number of times going down on the kickoffs and tackled guys, and he's not a small guy. He's a good athlete with a strong leg. So, um, you know, just a real good, you know, come from behind yeah. victory for, you know, and vindicating Tristan. In hindsight, very happy for him. You know, great, great get for him, great uh, hit for him and everything. But did anyone want him to be the one? I wanted that touchdown pass. I wanted the touchdown pass. Well, I was, well the, the key is Chris Peterson, we asked him about it. He basically said, if we're going to, if he likes to look, if Browning likes to look, it's one on one look. They'll throw it, but it's always to the short side. Mm -hmm. And so he kind of wasn't necessarily supposed to throw it, but he mm -hmm. liked the look so so well. And it clearly, I mean, the guy had to basically hold him mm -hmm. to, to keep it to mm -hmm. keep it out. 
But at the same time, when you're thrown to the wide side of the field like that, you're just you're just inviting problems. Let's go to the what if. What if they had? What if um, he had caught that ball? You know, down there on the two, how much time would have been left? Well, they, it would have given him a first down. They could they go up and spike it. it. But you've got to, they probably only would have had like two seconds left. Right. So you got to, they only, they will, they will not give you the clock if there's a second left. Yeah. If there's two seconds, they will give you the clock. But you're going to have to get down there, snap it, and spike it. Well, there's certainly an opinion that could be had out there, and I think it's well founded that because it was so close to the sidelines, and obviously mm-hmm. he had to catch it inbounds, mm-hmm. that. They may have been fortunate that they didn't that nothing really yeah, happened in that play. I agree. I mean, especially as it turns out. Obviously, if he makes the kick, he makes the kick. No, it's yeah. all good. No one cares. But it's interesting that even then they have that mentality that you know what we're we're our mentality is we're going to score. We're going to score. They're not. They are. They were clearly not thinking about three at that point. We talked you know, about this in previous years when after a loss, we just it's just oh, it makes a long, long week for us. A loss to Utah. Well, would have, when you're going until two o'clock in the morning, like we're going. A, lo- you know? a loss to Utah today would have been real tough, but uh, the wind is nice. And just a couple of notes: uh, Shaq Thompson was here. Did they play Thursday night? Uh, Carolina. Uh, no, it was. Uh, it was um, Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh somebody. And, yeah, they may have had a bye week. Shaq Thompson yeah. was here. Uh, Darrell Daniels, um, uh, you know, from he's with the Indianapolis they, Colts, I, I think believe. Indy played them. I think it was Indianapolis, Pittsburgh. So Yeah, so it was good to see Darrell, and uh, it was really, really, really good to see one of our all-time favorites. Uh, Isaiah Stanback is the third quarter legend. His hair is really long. He's got all those little kids running around. His family was here. He said he hadn't had a chance to talk to Will Conroy or Brandon Roy because all those guys played basketball on the Garfield yeah, team together, uh, you know, and Isaiah. I'm wondering if he got a chance to see Garfield play Eastside Catholic. I don't know. The night before, they pulled off a great upset. I don't know, but you know what? Isaiah still got that signature smile, you know, that smile that certain people have, where he probably got away with a lot in his childhood with that smile. So it was really, really good to see Isaiah stand back in He's he he said he he started off with a fourteen hundred square foot gym and now he's up to like fourteen thousand square feet in his gym. So he's got wow. a huge gym down in Dallas. Yeah. Should we should Doing we really, also? Really well. I was gonna say should we also uh, let people know who we saw at the game in terms of recruits? Uh, no, recruiting blog. Okay, Monday, Monday morning. All right, so you have that to look forward to. Yeah. yeah so um, anyway, so we're gonna do final thoughts. They're gonna roll me out to my car. Um, Chris Fetter's final thoughts. Well, it's okay. It's only twelve thirty-three, so it's okay. Another hour and a half. Yeah, yeah, easy. No, I just think um, you know. Again, first comeback win of Jake Browning's career. I think if he had not been able to get a win like this at some point before he had left Washington, I think that's something that people would have unfortunately held against him that he didn't have maybe that clutch (laughs) moment or clutch series or whatever that really could help define his. in his legacy, and I think it was really important that it came in a game like this because he sets the record for touchdown passes. Um, so he, he, what is it, 76, 77 now 77, that he has? 77. Yeah. So he beats out Keith Price. He's the number one guy all time now. So people will say, yeah, he's got these gaudy stats and all this stuff, but was he ever, did he ever have moments where he was able to like engineer a drive to win a game? Well, we can there say that go. now. Yeah, we can say that now. And uh, it was huge for him because it wasn't just the engineering of the drive to tie the game, but to have the wherewithal to, again, 
take advantage of opportunities and take advantage of the fact that Utah gave them some life with that timeout and gave them some, a little extra time. Um, and to take advantage of that, I think, is huge, especially going into an Apple Cup where so much is riding on the line for Washington State and the ability to play spoiler and to get to 10 wins is huge for Washington. Luke Munger, final thoughts? Yeah, I want to kind of continue to, I don't know, talk about Jake Browning a little bit. I thought one thing uh, that I've noticed about Jake over the course of his, I guess, three years here is when he's taking hard hits, he gets up right away. But when he went up and over and tried to get that first down, he was on the ground. That was for, like a leap by the lake part two. Yeah, I mean, but he was, I mean, he was, he did not look like he was doing good. So, I mean, for a guy who gets up super quickly after getting hit for the most part, you could tell that he was in a lot of pain. And for him able to come back, and then that last, those last two drives to, uh, yeah, I mean, Jake, who has been, I guess, taking some criticism and also has shown kind of, this lack of confidence that he's had these last couple of weeks of taking up or, or taking shots downfield to be able to lead two drives down the field uh, and to connect with guys like Andre Bocelli and Aaron Fuller down the stretch, uh, kind of while for the entire year Washington's kind of been looking for a second receiver to step up and then for Tristan Viscano to hit a PAT to tie it and then a field goal to win it. Uh, three kind of different position groups getting a big confidence boost there I thought was very important in kind of a, a good way to end, obviously, an incredible game. Scott Eckler, final thoughts in real quick with Jake. Now we have the flip yeah. and the point. Exactly. But, but anyway, Scott Eckler. <laughs> and the flip wasn't pretty. So, um, you know, I Washington is uh, right where a lot of us thought they would be. Granted, they, they've lost two games. I, I had it penciled in as just one at this point. Um, I it's too bad they don't have a chance to win the um, the uh, Pac-12 North. Um, Cal misses that field goal that actually hit off the crossbar because of the wind and bounced up and out. Um, they lose 17-14. So Washington does not have a chance to win the Pac-12 North. But time to um, not let Washington State get momentum and win the North uh, this coming weekend to get in the Apple Cup. Enjoy Turkey Day. I'm, I know they're going to have a big feast for the for the players and everything like that. But you know these guys are going to be focused. I, I don't have any doubt that this place is going to be rocking for um, for Apple Cup next week. It sets up for Washington to get to ten wins for the second straight year, um, and uh, more than ten you know ten or more wins. Um, and I I just this was a great win for them to get it really tested them tested their metal now we need to see what they can do against washington state which is not going to be an easy game washington state coming in here a loss would have meant a lot of uh, husky fans bailing on tickets and would have been a lot more washington state fans in here uh cougars going to come in here and they have something really to play for they have more to play for than washington does really they do but you know it's just you know i think a loss would have been devastating in that game because i think this would have turned into a lot of cougars in the Mm -hmm. stadium for next week so uh this place is going to be rocking and rolling five o'clock kickoff against uh washington state and i expect jimmy lake to you know be dying it up with uh, the kind of hits that JoJo McIntosh laid again today because the last couple times that they've played Washington State, they've been really, really physical with their wide receivers, and they, di- they didn't like it but at the, all. But the thing is, they don't play physical like JoJo Mac- McIntosh's hits. They, they're physical with them at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And Jimmy Lake said this week that they were not good on the line of scrimmage against Stanford, and that led to some of those big plays. I think you could have said the same thing tonight, too. They were not good at the line of scrimmage. They have to be on it against Wazoo, or Wazoo will carve them up. 
I think we're going to call Scott's wife and let him know what we're sending home because Scott's really wound up tonight. Well, we're going to just make him work a little bit more before he leaves. <laughs> what, I, what I will say, though, is do we want – I don't know if we want to delve into this at all. Now with the 5 o'clock start for the Apple Cup, that means out of 12 games in this yeah. schedule – only one before 5 o'clock yeah, this we'll year. We'll dive into that on the radio show and podcasts. We'll have a lot of podcasts this week. It's a big week coming up. So, anyways, we'll cut this off, and I'm going to go home. Probably. No, you're staying with yeah, us. I was going to say, where are we going to go? Yeah, we're staying here. <clears throat> okay, I'm coughing on you guys then. <laughs> you, you've been, you have been anyways. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> so, anyways. Uh, just, He's not dying, trust us. No. He's putting on an act. Yeah, there we go. Just a reminder, just if you want those daily updates in your inbox, huskystadium at gmail.com, uh, subject line newsletter, and we'll go ahead and get those out to you. And um, That's it. We'll be back on Sports Radio KJR on Tuesday night from 6.30 to 8. And on Monday, we'll get our schedule for Saturday's uh, radio show as well. Best so, guess is probably noon to 2. Because we'll hand off to the honks at three, but that would be we don't no. Know. Well, from two to five, yeah. that would be ideal. So if we were on from noon to two, butt up with them yeah. from three to from two to five, that'd That's be ideal. The best guess, but we don't know yet. Right. So for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetter, Scott Eckland, and intern extraordinaire Luke Monger. Go dogs.